We are, uh, we've been talking through a new message series this month called You've Got to Be Kidding. And we're looking at, we're looking in the Bible. In fact, we're looking in the Gospel of Matthew specifically at some of the shocking statements that Jesus made, things that just really threw people off and maybe people sort of reacted to. Uh, Jesus would just say things that uh, would seem bold and audacious. Sometimes he would say things that would just confuse people or tr- make people feel pretty troubled. <laughs> and uh, it, generally, they are, they are pretty life-changing things that he said. And, you know, I think a lot of times with these really shocking things that Jesus would say, um, he was calling people to live a very different kind of life. And people got to experience something very different from what they were used to. And I think we get to experience that as well today. So in this series, we're, as, we're, as we look at some of his shocking statements, you might, you might feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe, you know, we started this last week, you might have felt a little uncomfortable last week, or you might find yourself responding with, Jesus, you've, you've got to be kidding me. Like, really? And as you listen, you might, you might begin to see the value in guiding your life by his words. So for each of these topics in this message series, we're like, we'll be drawing from the historical account in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, Matthew was one of the disciples that heard and then recorded these life-altering dialogues. So I'm really glad that you've joined us today. And uh, once again, my name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor here. And if I haven't got the chance to meet you yet, I'd love to say hello after our service today. And one of the reasons that I'm looking forward to today's message in particular is because I often feel like I'm not doing enough in life. I feel very behind. I mean, most people probably feel pretty busy. Um, In fact, I've talked to a few people um, from church here who said that they've got, if if you want to plan something, you gotta you gotta like push it out to about April because all the weekends between now and then are booked already. And so there's a, there's a there's a lot going on in your life probably as well. But in in the times when I'm looking at my work and looking at all that we're trying to do as a family, uh, I feel I have this constant feeling of being behind. Which when I feel that way, it leads to a lot of it can lead to me feeling very stressed, very anxious, and. I had thought, you know, it would make such a big difference for me if I could just hear God tell me audibly, hey, Bruce, you're on track, you're doing great, just keep doing what you're doing. If I could just hear him say that, it would, like, it would take all that anxiety and go, <laughs> I'd feel like, okay, at least, at least I know I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing. The passage that we're going to look at today has that impact. It can have that impact. And... I think God, in a way, has given us one of the secrets to knowing if you're on track, if you're doing what you need to be doing. And uh, perhaps if you feel busy like me, then maybe this will be a help to you. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 25. And uh, I'm going to read a story. It's actually a parable that Jesus taught. And some of it's the first half is printed on your handout and the rest I'll be reading. But let's just jump in. I'm, I'm excited to look at this with you. Um, so Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And he's trying to help us understand what God's kingdom is like. And so he says, verse 14, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, 
and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. And then he went on a journey. Okay, so Jesus, if you're familiar with the Bible, Jesus would often tell stories. They're kind of like made-up stories to help us get a really clear picture of how we're supposed to view our lives, how we're supposed to understand our relationship to God. And so this is one of those stories. And in this story, the master, the, the guy who owns these servants, represents Jesus. And since the master in this story goes away, this represents Jesus uh, is now in heaven and is going to be coming back at some point. We don't know exactly when, but we do know he's coming back. And so, so it is in this story. Um, and then this, there's three servants that represent church folk, people like you and me. I mean, you're in church today. I don't know if you're here and this is like a normal thing for you, or maybe this is a spontaneous thing, but you're in church right now. And so this story, this is, it's perfect right now for you to be hearing this story because you're, you're who this represents, these three, these three servants. And um, one, one guy gets five talents, one, two talents, and one person gets one talent. And the talent is a measurement of money it could, be, it could have been a coin or it could have been a bag of coins, uh, just some sort of measurement. So, you know, I, uh, there's, there's a few real key uh, words in this. Uh, the word entrusted, that, uh, the master entrusted these talents, and then he gave them, he, he distributed it unevenly. It was uneven, five, two, and one, but it was depending on each one's ability. So we're going to look at those two phrases in just a minute. But here's what happens. Let's go to the next part of the story. Um, immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And you notice right away that two of the guys, they get straight to work. We don't know how much time is supposed to have elapsed. Um, but probably, you get this picture that they're very responsible, diligent, focused. They're just going to start working, and they're going to work until Jesus comes back, is the idea. You get the word immediately. Just put them to work. And so they began to use the resources that the master entrusted to them. There's just this sense of vigor and a sense of them just like really uh, accepting responsibility. And then one guy did nothing useful. You know, he's just went and basically wasted the resources. So, verse 19, let's go on here. It says, after a long time, and, you know, again, this represents Jesus coming. Sometimes it feels like it's going to be a long time before Jesus comes back. We don't really know for sure. But after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts. He settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five talents approached presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents, so you have earned five more talents. So that, that phrase, settling accounts, is a foreshadowing to the moment when Jesus comes back. And it's like a little bit of a foreshadowing for us to keep in mind for ourselves that at some point, Jesus will settle accounts with each one of us. And he's going to examine how we lived. So I'm like, okay. Then the first guy did really good. So the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. So he gets rewarded in three distinct ways. First, he gets God's approval. That phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Now that, that, is, that is a type of praise I crave and I would love to hear. This is the thing I was saying earlier. Like this is, I want to know this. I want to know that God is like, hey, you're doing a good job. 
I approve of you. So this is, that's a big reward. That's one. The other thing he gets, though, is uh, to be put in charge of many things. You're like, hey, that's cool. He's in charge. He's a boss. But it actually means he gets more responsibility. <laughs> Sometimes being in charge is a good privilege, but it, it comes with a lot of responsibility. So he gets a reward, not a vacation. You know, you think like, oh, you did a good job. Like, here, take five weeks off because you earned five bags of money. No, like, no, he's like, you get more work to do, which is, it is a good thing. And then the third reward he gets is joy. An inner gladness, a sense of well-being that comes only from God. So that's exciting. That goes really well for him. Then the man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, well done. Okay, so this is the same exact phrase. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. So he gets rewarded in the same exact three ways. Um, even though he had different, he had, uh, he received differently and he earned differently, um, the reward comes back. All right, so then, you know, here's the moment, you, you know, kind of waiting for, how about the last guy? The guy who, he only got one measly talent. <laughs> and what did he do in verse 24? It says, the man who received one talent also approached he probably would have preferred not to have approached, but he's like, I got nowhere to go. <laughs> the master is here. Shoot. Okay. All right. Well, I walk up and he says, master, I know you. You're a harsh man reaping where you haven't sown and gathered where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. He's like brushing off the dirt. He's like, okay. All right. There it is. It's back for you now. Um, what we see in this is this guy really had, it appears no real concern for his master. Um, this excuse that he makes, he like kind of, he takes some shots at the master. Like, it really seems to be more of a spur of the moment reaction than a planned out thing. I, I don't think he really expected the master return, to return. I don't think he expected to be held accountable. At some point he's like, ah, They'll never settle accounts with me. I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. And he was caught by surprise. And so he just threw this outrageous charge that really made no sense. And so um, here's how the master replies. He says, you evil, lazy servant. Whew, that's, that's like spicy words. There. That's hot. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. Um, some commentators who looked at this, um, if you look at the ancient Roman Empire, there was, you, could, you could take loans out. The maximum loan rate was about 12%. And if you were to get interest on that, it would generally be half. So he could have technically reaped at least at least a 6% return by making virtually no effort at all. Um, and remember, the other guys did not do 6%. They, they doubled what they earned. So, you know, he's like, you could, even if you did like the, the small, if you put it with the, the least possible amount of effort, it would have done something. But the fact that this guy didn't, he made no attempt to earn even simple interest. Uh, it confirmed his irresponsibility and just indifference to the master. So he gets... His, he gets what comes to him, and it's, the master says, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he, who, he will have more than enough. 
but from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the guy who received five and then earned up to ten now has eleven, and this one has nothing. So Jesus told this story, indicating the kind of conversations that real people will have with him in the future. So think about this for a second. This is a story for us. So we will settle accounts, and we'll probably fall into one of these kinds of conversations. And if you think about it, um, some people will have the conversation where Jesus says, you evil, lazy, good-for-nothing servant, throw him out of here. And so this is the part of the message where the title comes into play, where I'm like, Jesus, you got to be kidding me. Like, is this, is this the kind of Jesus we serve? Like, watch the name calling. Like, golly, like, that's, this is intense language. Like, the mess, is this the message? Like, hey, if you don't measure up and if you don't produce enough work for Jesus, he's going to call you names and throw you into hell. All right? Like, like can we calm it down a little bit here? Like, you got to be kidding. Like, take it easy. Like, Jesus, you're being too uptight. Like, can someone, like, cool, like, throw water on him? Like, this is so unreasonable. This feels completely unreasonable. So maybe, or may, so maybe you don't want that to happen, or, or maybe the thought would come to mind, you read this story and you think, all right, so apparently we got to produce a lot of stuff for Jesus. But listen, I already feel pretty overwhelmed, and this, is, this just heaps on pressure. This, is like, I'm feel, like I, this feels like guilt. I get guilt from like, you know, my family members. I don't want that. Like, this, is, this is just more expectations that I can't meet. The truth about this story is Jesus isn't name-calling, first of all. Um, he, this, he's not mocking or like deriding. Uh, these are descriptive statements of accuracy. So this is, it was judgment, actually. This was a just judgment on this person who was evil, and he also was lazy and good for nothing, like a worthless servant. So... Um, Depending on where you stand spiritually at this moment, you're likely to react to this story in a few different ways. You might like kind of bristle and just sort of like feel like, ooh, this is like this feels uncomfortable. For me, this story is immensely soothing and it's relieving to me. I, I feel a relief. I actually feel motivated when I hear this story, not guilted. And there's a few different ways that. When I, when I really spend time thinking about this, there's, there's pressure that just gets relieved. And part of it's because the two first guys, I call them the five-bagger and the two-bagger. <laughs> you know, one guy got five bags of money, another guy got two bags of money. And they had different abilities, but they got the same reward. So you and I, we have different gifts and opportunities and privileges. God assigns what we have. And so, you know, honestly, I feel... Uh, I don't know. There's, there's some people in the room right now that have, are extremely talented, extremely well-resourced, extremely knowledgeable, very smart, or maybe uh, has a lot of experience or savvy in different areas of life. And God is the one that assigns all of that. He picks what we have. And um, so one of the reasons this relieves pressure for me is that I realized I don't have to produce like the hot shots. <laughs> so, you know, I often compare myself to other people, and which is not good. I don't recommend that. Um, it's not good, but I, I, I slip into that often, and I, and I look at other people that are more successful than me, uh, maybe financially more successful, or they've got more assets, or 
Um, I look at other church leaders and what they produce and how successful they seem to be. Or um, other guys that have different personality, like a, a personality quality that I really like. And I'm like, man, if I could just, they're just so natural. And I, if I could just be more like that. Or they're, they're different skills. And, or maybe they've just produced so much with their life. I'm like, man, by the time that guy was 30, like he had already written books and he had already like established a business. All that, and I just, I'm like, man, they just produce so much. And I'll never be like them. I'll never be like those guys. They seem so successful and so capable and talented. And in this story, it would be, I, I would think it would be easy for the two-bagger to be really jealous of the five-bagger, to feel inferior, like, hey, why, didn't, why did he get five? I only got two. Like, what's, what does that say about me? And some, some guys, if you look around, some people in your life just seem overloaded with giftings, okay? And you look around, and you're like, man, that person, they have, they're so good at everything, and they have, they have all these opportunities. How do they keep getting these opportunities? And the reason is, at the beginning of this uh, section, it says that, the master entrusted talents depending on each one's ability. He entrusted the talents depending on each one's ability. God has set my level of ability. And so what I get to do is I get to accept that and be okay with that. And honestly, there are some things that I'm kind of slow at. And so, so I'm a, like, I tend to be a slow reader. I really like to read, but I'm kind of slow. I'm way slower than my wife for sure. That one's like, oh, you know, she just breezes through her books and gets way more out of it. And I just have to like, Plod through it. It just takes time. Um, so, you know, like when I look around, I can accept, all right, I'm, maybe I will produce less than some people. What if I'm just a two-bagger surrounded by five-baggers? <laughs> I mean, I actually probably have a one-bagger. Like, I probably just get the one. But here's the thing. The reason I can accept that is because I really love what I do. I love spending time with my four kids that God has entrusted me with and my wife. And that realm of responsibility is it, it's an incredible highlight in my life that I would miss if I was chasing success outside of my stewardship. I also love this church family, like you, you all. I love you guys. I love spending time. You know, if I, if I spent all my time worrying about, like, what's wrong with our church and people that leave, and I, and, and I would overlook the people that are here and the opportunities that are here right now. I love this. I love that. Like, last week we had somebody from our church just come over late, you know, for dinner and just hang out on the couch and just chat late in the night. We were working through some life problems, and then that's like, I love that. I love just unrushed time with people here, especially you. So I feel grateful. Like, I'm grateful. Imagine, and imagine if God doubles my reward like he does in the story. Like, I already feel really grateful. So the joy that I feel right now, man, the gratitude coming in the future will just stagger me. And in heaven, when we, all, when we get there, we who follow Jesus, when we get to heaven, there will be no distinctions of superiority and inferiority. That will melt away totally. So there will be five and ten and two baggers and people all over the map with different responsibilities in heaven, but the, you, we won't feel like this insecurity about it because it's, that's wrong and sinful. That's not how God designed it. So whatever role we have eternally, it will be perfectly enjoyed and perfectly satisfying to each of us. So I think one of the things in this story is that Jesus wants not equal return from each of his servants, but relatively equal effort according to ability. The issue is faithfulness. 
whether or not we use whatever he gave us to use. To make the most of, we have to really maximize our opportunities. So that's one way that this story relieves pressure for me. Another one is that I realize I don't have to perform perfectly to get a well done. Because in this story, there's, like I said, there's really no middle ground person. Like there's the two slaves that were good and faithful, the one that was e- e- evil and lazy, but there was no servant where like the master comes back and he's like, hey, you, uh, uh, you just did like, yeah, yeah, just, just good. yeah, that's good. Like there, 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 there's no, there, that doesn't come up in the story. It's like, man, I, if I am faithful, if I am faithful with what he's given me, the perfect Lord of the universe will stoop down to commend my faithfulness, imperfect as it will have been. I know I will handle my responsibilities imperfectly. Sometimes I will waver. Sometimes I veer off track and sin. Sometimes I get selfish in the midst of these responsibilities. But I confess those things, recommit myself back to the master, and then God keeps bringing me back on track. Again, the key is faithfulness. It's not perfection right now. So I'm like, okay, I can... It's actually this, this well-done, good and faithful servant is attainable for me. And that's what the, thir- the third thing that relieves pressure is that the work that God wants me to do is doable. Whatever he has in store for me to accomplish with my life, it's doable. There's that phrase he makes um, to the, the two good servants, you were faithful over a few things. And so really, it starts off with just a few, which praise the Lord for that, because I don't think I could handle any more than just a few things in life. He gives us a few things in line with our ability. It's not too much. I don't know if you ever feel like people's expectations on you are too high. Maybe your, your boss or your employer, you're like, these are just, this is unreasonable expectations, or you got family members, they put the pressure on you, and you just always feel this expectation. Well, the truth is, there are expectations on you. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, he does have expectations on you. That's what this story is about. He does expect things from you, but it's attainable and it's graciously appointed. He's given us everything that we need to do the work he wants us to get done. Sometimes it feels like there's just not enough time in the day, like the week has run out already. Like I don't, like I wake up and I already feel behind. Like there's just so much to do, but the truth is he's given me enough to do what he wants me to do that day. So if I, if I run out of time, if I, it's just not possible for me to finish it all, then I'm trying to do things that he doesn't necessarily want me to do that day. And if we, go, if we do this follow-through and, and we, we faithfully use the resources he's given us, there will be a joy like you don't even know. So the really big question at the end of this story that comes to my mind, and I ask myself this often, is, is this. Since God has entrusted me with resources, opportunities, and, and my life stage, am I, putting, am I using them to best advance his purposes? So resources and opportunities and even life stage, those are, all, those are like, ta- like this talents in the story. These are the bags of opportunities that we have. Am I using all of those, what he's given me, to best advance his purposes? Am I being faithful? So what has God given you? He's entrusted you with some things in your life to advance his goals. The good things he's given you is for his purpose. So some of the resources that you have are time. You've got to spend that well. He's given you energy. 
to spend on things. He's given you money. These are all resources. But he's also given you some talents. I think there are some things that you're good at, some ways that your mind works that maybe other people's don't. You have some giftings and abilities. You have just interests and hobbies that you've honed that comes from God. And your life stage. Right now, you're in a certain decade of life and you have a certain job. And you may have a family, or you've grown a family, or an empty nester. You're in some sort, or you're single, or you're, wanting, you're about to get married. What, you're in a stage right now that God has picked for you. You're in a living situation, whether you live with people, or alone, or far away, or present. Like, God has, he picks the boundaries for all those things in our lives. It all comes through God's hands. Those are all of your talents. Are you using all of those things that he's given you for his purposes? In our... If you were here earlier for announcements, that we're promoting a, a men's meeting that we're doing this week. Next month, there will be a women's meeting. And we're going to discuss this idea a little bit further, focusing on what are some of the ways that God has gifted you specifically to make an impact in the world around us. Like, what, what are, let's hone in on what you bring to the table. And so I'm really excited. I think it's going to be very helpful for us to discuss this a little bit further in these men's and women's gatherings. So um, guys, if you're, if you're going to be around on Thursday, mark your card and let us know that you're coming to that. But at this moment in time, you are uniquely positioned to make an impact in God's kingdom. You may not always feel that way, but you are. And he expects it. <laughs> so there is an expectation that you will return some good things based on what he's given you. So times when I feel like I'm failing, like I said earlier, like, feel like I'm not measuring up. I'm just not doing enough. I'm just so behind. What I do is I look back over the past few months and I think, have I done this? Have I, have I used what he's given me? And well, at least right now, if I look back the last few months, I feel I actually do. Like, even though I've been stressed, I'm like, no, actually, I've, I feel like I've been putting to use, not perfectly, but I've been putting to use the things he's given me. I'm really, my heart is to be faithful to what he wants me to do. And I'll just figure that out as we go and pray for his help. And that kind of settles me down. Feeling like, okay, I think even though he hasn't audibly said, well done, good and faithful servant, I pray. Like, if I am off track, though, like, would you show me? Because I really, I, it's so important to me that I'm faithful to you, Lord. Show me if I'm off track. And if I don't hear anything, I'll keep going. And I, so I would like you, I'd like to help you. Part of this message is I, I want to help you get ready when Jesus comes to settle accounts with you, because it's coming. It could even come today. It could come next week. It could come long after you're dead. We're not sure yet. But you're, you're already enrolled in his program. Like, you're one of the servants already. So whether you like it or not, you came to church today, you're in the Jesus program where he's going to settle accounts with you. So, and you're already enjoying the talents that he's given you. Like, these opportunities in your life, you're enjoying. So what do we do? Let's get ready. So our goal really ought to be to accomplish as much as possible for the sake of Jesus until he gets back. And I want to bring this to life a little bit more by having one of the women from our church come up and share a little bit about um, her journey in this area. And so uh, I'm going to ask Brianna to come to the stage. And can we borrow that microphone? Sweet, thanks. All right. Thanks for coming up here. You can come a little closer, actually. <laughs> okay, good. How do you feel right now? Great. <laughs> okay, good. She loves public speaking. This is one of, 
right? Isn't that one of your, no, I don't think that's, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how much she enjoys this, I guess. Okay, so um, I asked Brianna to help out with this. By the way, I didn't put her on the spot. I asked her ahead of time, okay. Um, so you have taken some weight on your shoulders, so to speak. Um, one of, so if you came in earlier, you may have seen that she's playing the keyboard. Uh, but she also coordinates our worship team by scheduling the volunteers, um, picking songs. Occasionally we'll need uh, worship leaders from outside our church to come and help us out. It's, it's a whole team and scheduling process that requires um, work and time out of her week to do that. Also, um, she also invests in some of the single women in our church. She has helped plan events. Uh, event planning is, if you've ever done that, that takes a lot of uh, details and, and forethought. She also does a great job engaging some of the first-time guests that come to our church. And so all of this, all of these things are kind of like responsibilities that she's like taking on her shoulders as a weight. And um, also she's, and she does all this for free. We don't pay her anything to do any of those things. So um, let me ask you a question. What are some of the talents or the opportunities or just the giftings that God has entrusted you with for his purposes? Um, well, I have a background in education and music. So um, just knowing that God gave me those skills in uh, piano that I've been able to use for worship team and even just when we pick songs and coordinating with uh, who our leader is and uh, helping them out with that. And then um, I'm also pretty organized. I can kind of just keep a lot of things going at the same time. And then um, just even for my job, um, I have to plan a lot of events for my job outside of church, and I'm always like emailing and communicating with people, so I feel like that's kind of a gift that God's given me, just being good, clear and good at communicating. I agree. <laughs> I have seen all of those things come out. So those are some things that are unique to Brianna, that God has, those are like abilities that he's given her. Um, if, you're, if you're an organized person also, sometimes you get frustrated with the unorganized people, like the people that don't respond to emails, but... And if you're the person that doesn't respond, you're like, oh, I wonder who that is. Like, <laughs> um, so, yeah, <laughs> no judgment. Okay, so, so the second thing is, in the past, either when you first came to our church or even in previous church experience maybe, um, did you ever feel hesitant to use your giftings and resources for the church? And if so, why did you feel hesitant? I did. In the beginning, I just, um, I just felt really like kind of awkward and shy around just people I didn't know very well. So I just was, it just kind of made me like going and in, jumping into a situation where I knew I would have like a lot of responsibilities and just feeling uncomfortable. And then I just always thought, I was like, oh, someone could do it better than me. There's all these like people that are so talented and great and they could do it better than me. Um, and then a previous church I was at a few years ago. Um, it was big, and I just always saw people, tons of volunteers all the time, like working, and everything got done. Every week I just saw everything getting done, and I was like, oh, they don't need me. Someone would ask. If they need me, I would find out. And um, so it's just, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, you know, I think that's a common thought. Just all kinds of reasons why maybe, maybe you wouldn't be needed or a good fit. And I think that's a common thing people feel. So... Um, but you pushed through some of those thoughts, and you, you, got, you, got, you started getting involved little by little. And um, I know in your personal life, you, you already have plenty of responsibilities. You already have things that weigh heavily on your shoulders. Um, so what motivates you to take on more weight here at church when you already got stuff going on in your life? 
Um, just the people that I've gotten to be around and just the deeper relationships that have grown a part of me being uh, more involved in church. I've seen just like the fruit coming out of the worship team, but also the friends, the deeper friendships I've gotten through events or investing in people. And then I've seen that come back to me also, just people investing me in me as a result of being more involved in church. And then just seeing everyone, like just being part of a team that you can grow and then seeing growth in myself. Um, and then also just apart from that, honestly, I've just had fun too. <laughs> so in the beginning, just stuff that I was like, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> but then just seeing that you can put in so much of yourself and even like some of the stress that's come just from like setting too high standards sometimes or anything, seeing it like the growth or um, just again, like the enjoyment and the deeper friendships I've gotten as a part of it. Mm. So. That's awesome. And then last question is, um, uh, your investment has increased, you know, gradually, especially over the last year. How, are there any other ways that you've grown from that or benefited from that? Yeah, the, um, the original insecurities I had in the past, just of like feeling awkward or shy or feeling like I wasn't doing enough, sometimes those still come up, but um, really I've just seen a lot of growth in feeling confident in the gifts that I know God's given me. And um, just being able to like make decisions with the knowledge I have and be like just trusting the Lord to be faithful to me and also just trusting my own um, skills and just the team around that um, their trust in me has just been something that's really grown me like as a person and also my walk with the Lord. Um, being around so many encouraging people that just really want the best for me and see and I see them being faithful, it just has encouraged me to be um, really faithful, and then the time that God's given me, because like in the beginning I was like, what if I'm just getting busier? <laughs> uh, what if I mess up? And I've messed up a lot, and it's still okay. <laughs> and, um, just seeing that, um, you know, God can, God and people just accept your insecurities, because we all have them, and but just the way that you can grow through them, and that the ministry can still like thrive and happen through any of them, God can use those to bless you or bless the church or other people. So. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brianna, for sharing all that. Uh, part of the reason I wanted her to share it is because she's a great example of somebody that's using some of the gifts and abilities that God has given her uniquely to grow the kingdom of God. And there's, there's blessing that comes out of it. Like people in our church and all around are being blessed by her service. And so, in light of this passage that we looked at and her story, I want to suggest a way for you to apply this to your own life. But I will say, first, that it's a narrow application, which means um, there's, there's a lot of implications in your life where this story from Jesus might, might have been. In fact, there's already maybe some things that have come to your mind, ways that this might apply. Um, and so I want to bring it down into one narrow realm of life that you might apply this to. And I almost, uh, it's, I, I almost can't believe I'm going to say it because it's sort of, it's distasteful to a lot of people, probably. Um, and so I wrestled with this over the past couple of days, but here we go. All right, so here's, here's an, a possible application for you. Bear responsibility at Valley Lights. And what I mean by this is I'm asking you to consider taking more weight on your shoulders to, like, uh, 
to like basically get under, like, all right, you see that there's, there's things that require for this church to go. I'm going to accept responsibility, even though it taxes me somewhat. And I'm going to do it voluntarily. <laughs> um, which means that you may get to a point where you're so involved here that when you're missing, we have to scramble for a replacement. Like, oh gosh, like, ah, that person's gone. Or um, if you don't show up, the thing doesn't get done. Like there's a gap or there's a hole. Um, or, and I will say, if you're, if you're visiting from somewhere else or just this is your first time, well, if this is your first time, by the way, Valley of Lights is probably not your church family yet. So you can just, you know, you can let this breeze over you or something. There's maybe, uh, and there's maybe people here where this doesn't, this narrow application may not fit perfectly for you right now. Um, this may not be for everybody. But for some, I think it is. And um, God has entrusted you with some things in your life, ways that if you get involved and you bear weight on your shoulders, it will really begin to bless people and God's kingdom will grow. Um, it will, the church will get built up. And there's a few other people besides Brianna that do this at our church. And here's a few examples. Um, one is our group leaders. We have three groups that meet on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. And uh, the couples that lead those groups, uh, they take the weight on their shoulder of opening their home, getting that ready, um, working through discussion. Uh, leading group discussion is kind of hard, and sometimes it feels awkward, but there's a lot of growth that comes from that. And so there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot that blesses people in our life groups. Another example is kids' zone teachers. Uh, people who come, this is happening right now. So there, there are people right now that have the weight of my children on them as we speak. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, actually literally, uh, if my kids sometimes like hang on you. So, um, so their kids on teachers, they, they prepare for this. They, they look ahead. They work through the material. They show up early. Other categories like this are our ministry team leaders and captains. So we have... Um, uh, people that have decided to help us move uh, or uh, accomplish a Sunday morning. This is, this is kind of like an event every week. So I don't know if you've ever planned a birthday party or like you've done a reunion or something like that. This is like an event every week, and it requires a lot of people and resources. And we need people that have leadership that can help take, uh, just take on the weight of responsibility and move it forward. Other categories are the volunteers that help on those teams on a consistent rotation. Maybe you've jumped in once or twice, um, uh, but we have some volunteers that are like, I'm, I'll be here every Sunday for the whole month, and they'll rotate off, and then the next Sunday, or the next month, they're back. And those consistent rotations are extremely helpful for us. Um, it stabilizes our church. And these team, the three teams that we have right now are hospitality, which does coffee and name tags and making things look nice, uh, the chairs. Uh, facilities team does chairs, and uh, we have a lot of heavy equipment to roll in and out. The sight and sound team does all of this audio and visual stuff. And so you might uh, consider, you might, you, might, you might see a list like this, all these opportunities, group leading, kid zone, ministry team leaders, also captains are a, like I'm a sub leader or being a volunteer, I'm not sure where you're at. Uh, it's possible you might be able to level up in some way or like deepen your commitment or being willing to take more on your shoulders. Again, these are not for everybody. Uh, there's one other category you might consider bearing weight, and it's this one. It's bringing people into the fold. 
meaning you see, a, you see somebody that's new and you pay attention and you take, you take initiative. You walk over to the new person on Sunday morning. Like there's new people here today. So, but we have some people at our church that have taken on this weight. They say like, all right, I'm going to be the person that's going to be the friendly person because I know what it's like to be new somewhere. It's kind of hard to be new, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that easier on the newcomer by just taking the initiative. And we have people that do this every Sunday um, that I haven't even assigned. They just have taken it on themselves. Or, or if you're at a party or at a group or maybe even I was at a birthday party for a church member yesterday, and I can see some of the people from our church doing this kind of thing. Like, oh, I've never met that person. Like, oh, I'll go over and talk. I'll spend some of my time when I could talk to a friend talking to a person that looks a little bit less connected. Or maybe they don't look like they're quite in a group at the moment. And um, this, this is something... You know, a lot of the other ministry teams, maybe they require lifting or they require, like, liking kids, which not everybody does. <laughs> but this one, this is a gifting that if you're the kind of person where you're inviting or um, you just are a warm person to relate to or you like opening your home. Sometimes what it is is people take initiative to invite people over for a meal. Like, hey, let's get, I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Why don't you come over for dinner this week on Tuesday night? That's a, when that, hap, that kind of hospitality happens, it's, it's, it can be life-changing. And so this person targets newcomers, um, and there are people that I depend on for this to happen. Because if this doesn't happen, newcomers come, and then they just bounce right off. Um, and eventually, or maybe a newcomer will come, but they'll just sort of drift away if they don't, if this, if they don't experience this. So I'm asking you all to consider putting weight on your shoulders for the benefit of this church. Like I said, this sort of, this is like probably not going to be one of my most streamed messages this week. Like, this is not a popular idea. Um, I'm just wondering if, if you, if you want to actually, if you're willing to feel a weight of responsibility on your shoulders, like where you're dependent on. And I wonder if you think that the Lord Jesus has entrusted you with certain abilities that he wants to use for his body, for the church. When he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's, I kind of see Jesus' parable. Um, I found some pictures that kind of illustrate this idea. Like, here's one guy who is carrying a weight. He's carrying a boat, uh, like a little, like a kayak, I, I guess it is. But this picture is just one guy going off, carrying a boat for himself, doing his own thing. It kind of reminds me of the servant in this story who just, you got the one talent, and he just did, his, he just did what he wanted. He's sort of like indifferent to everybody else. Um, another picture, here, here's a picture of two people carrying a boat. It, it kind of looks like maybe it's a husband-wife combo, and they're, they're carrying the weight of a boat together. But it kind of seems like their primary concern is their own personal enjoyment. Like, yeah, we'll just, carry, we'll just carry what we can just do by ourselves, and we'll just enjoy ourselves. And this can happen in church life. You know, a couple, potentially, could use their resources in inward direction. But here's really more the image that comes to mind for me when I think about the church. And here's an entire team of men shouldering the weight of a much larger boat on their shoulders. And once they get in the water, they are out to accomplish a mission together. They want to win. They want to do well. And if one guy is absent, it impacts the rest of the team. If one guy is not shouldering the weight or pulling on the oars, then the, team's, the team is impaired. 
their, their ability to carry out the goal is impaired. And so they depend on one another. And that's, this is where we're at as a church right now. We're teaming together. A lot of people are carrying some weight, but there are some gaps and there are some holes, and our ability is somewhat impaired because of it. So there is room for you to put your shoulder into the work with us. And so if you, if you, if you feel like this is in any way tugging on you, and it's like I said, this might not be for everybody, I'd love to know, and if, if you want to step it up in some way, then you can write on your connection card this phrase, bear more weight. And you might think like, all right, and maybe there's something specific you have in mind, or maybe you're not really sure, you just want to help out wherever, you can write, bear more weight. Like, you, I want you to be able to count on me. I want to be dependent upon. And you can let us know, we can talk about that. Um, okay, so I have another next step. That this, this is gonna be shorter, but this might apply to some of you. Some of you are here and you're listening and you're like, I already do this. <laughs> I'm already, I already feel the weight, okay? So if that's you, here's your step. Offer your service as a sacrifice to the Lord. Because you are bearing a weight and it is making a difference. And sometimes you come early or you stay late or you invest in people or they, they flake on you or something happens and you're bearing the weight. And I want you to know your father sees what you're doing, even if I don't. What you're doing is making a difference. That the work that you put into this church, your labor is not in vain. And you can await his reward, which will come. You're, you're making deposits into your heavenly bank account already. You'll see that every drop of sweat was worth it. Every ounce of energy, every communication, it was worth it. And I'm very, very grateful that there are people that carry the weight even when I don't even know it's happening. But I know it is because we're still here. <laughs> um, and, and here's one more next step. Um, for, for those who, where this, uh, this topic is somewhat grating or sometimes a little bit of a rub on you, like you don't really like this, um, here's your next step. Consider whether I want Jesus to be my master. So if you're lacking desire to bear weight, then you might need to consider whether or not you have truly submitted yourself to Jesus as master. Um, you know, the faithful servants in this story, they had, they had this sense of urgency. There was, like, there was like this vigor, like immediately they got into the work and they're like, all right, I'm gonna do this. There was like an eagerness, like there was motivation already inside. And if you don't feel that right now, um, you may need to face the reality that you're, you might more closely resemble the lazy servant in the story. Consider, if that's the case, consider the unfavorable scenario of the lazy servant, which, you know, we know it doesn't end well. Perhaps the issue is that you're running from God. Perhaps you're running from a wholehearted commitment to him. And, you, and you, don't want, you don't want to be faced with this. Like, oh, I have to get, like, because what we're talking about, we're talking about all in. Like, we're talking, you're going to be all in. And that's most of Jesus' statements where people are like, you got to be kidding me. It's usually things where he's like calling people to go all in. And, and by nature, we don't like that <laughs> um, because I want to save like some comfort for myself. And I want my own goals and priorities preserved as well. But no, this is like, this is like kind of an all in thing. And, um, it's hard to do that. It is really hard to go all in for Jesus. But this really is a great chance for you to consider whether or not you want Jesus to be your master. 
Personally, I so look forward to the moment when I can audibly hear Jesus say, well done, Bruce. Come, share in my joy. When I put myself in that mindset, it gives me shivers just thinking about it. And if it happens, if I do get there, it'll be by his grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning, for gathering us, allowing us church folk <laughs> to be in a room together and look at your words, uh, to be blessed and challenged and motivated by your words, Lord Jesus. We thank you for, even though the calls that you make to us are tough and difficult to respond to, you also supply the grace needed to advance. And so I pray that you'd give us um, all the strength and the encouragement, the motivation, Holy Spirit, to draw close to you. And would you use us, use each, uh, us as individuals and as a whole church body to make an impact in your kingdom that lasts for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.